Independent stylist or a mompreneur Live better, back, get up, she wants something more She's got that messy bun, get stuff done Hustle in her heart, put on your lip gloss Girl, boss, Jen's got you, girl, just start Imagine if you could structure your entire business to make great money and really consciously design a life that looks like the one that you always daydream about. You have a blank canvas sitting in front of you right now, and you absolutely have the power to do that. I'm talking about behind or beyond the chair. You are worthy of creating your best life and business. Hi, friend. It's Jen. And I just wanted to tell you really quickly about the best year bundle. It's literally over $1,100 of education and resources. You get two bundles wrapped into one giant ridiculous deal. Salon Suite University, which has my best selling easy money workbook and guide, copy and paste scripts, the lifestyle scheduling system, and website ready policy templates, plus over $300 in bonuses like caption templates, the Start Your Suite with Confidence video class, Reels ideas, a jot form video class to take your virtual consultations till the next level, a visual branding workbook, and a new set of templates called the Ultimate Caption Pack, along with keyword-rich signature templates, and a brand new class that I just made called Stories That Get Bookings. I'll show you how to convert views to clients and also use stories to streamline your business and save you time. But wait, there's more. You'll also get my Beyond the Chair Bundle, which includes five masterclasses to help you add or replace your behind-the-chair income. It's the blueprint to the first 100K that I made beyond the chair with digital products in my multiple six-figure business. I'm sharing it all. How to create an ebook, a video class for technique or business, how to start a podcast, and how to honestly and authentically market yourself to attract your ideal buyer. You'll also get virtual curl coaching. This class was designed for curl specialists, but can translate into working with clients in any niche online. Charge for your time to teach styling, product application, product recommendations, etc. using Zoom. You'll also get access to live classes for Beyond the Chair, Easy Money, all about policies, and guess what? More are coming. You will literally never find a value like this anywhere else. All of this and the lifetime access to it is only $99. This is not a drill. Run, don't walk to bestyearbundle.com and snag this offer before it disappears. I can tell you that if you're listening to this, it's still available. Available? (laughs) But I can't promise it will be tomorrow. So go get it now bestyearbundle.com for instant access to everything I just mentioned. So excited about this interview today. I've been following Amy for a really long time and I absolutely love, love, love her work. It is so strikingly beautiful. And for those of you who do not know her, Amy McManus is a balayage educator. She's an innovator. And even though she doesn't love the term, she's an influencer who shares her expert advice and how-tos with over 350,000 people on her Instagram account, Camouflage and Balayage. Listen to this candid and insightful conversation where Amy transparently shares her blueprint for success. She completely reinvented her entire career after 20 years in the industry, and now she's inspiring and educating stylists across the globe who want to up their game. 
You can find her on Instagram at Camouflage and Balayage. And there you'll also find a link to her online balayage classes, Camouflage University. Enjoy this interview with the queen of balayage and absolute industry icon, Amy McManus. Okay. So welcome, Amy. Thank you so much for joining. And um, for those of you that don't follow Amy on Instagram, her account is called Camouflage and Balayage. She's got, I mean, it's one of the most beautiful Instagram accounts I've ever seen. Her work is just literally scroll stoppingly stunning. It's amazing. And Thank you. <laughs> I'm so happy you're here. Can you oh, tell me a little bit for, for people that might live under a rock that haven't seen your work? <laughs> like, what are you known for? Like, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, I, I, if you, if you are not a balayage artist, then you have no idea who I am. So I feel like I am exclusive generally to balayage. So that's how I got known. Um, that's how I branded myself. So in that area of hair, I feel like if you're a balayage artist, you probably might know who I am. <laughs> so I'm obnoxious that way. <laughs> so what drew you to balayage? Like, how did you get started with it? Um, well, so um, at the time I, I owned my previous salon, um, which was named Trinity Salon. We were a Paul Mitchell focus salon. And I had been uh, a Paul Mitchell focus salon. Um, and with Paul Mitchell independently before that for probably, I don't know, 10 or so years. So all we did was Paul Mitchell education. And um, back in, I think it was like 2015 or 16 is when ombre started becoming a big thing. Oh yeah. And I didn't, I didn't know what it was and nobody in my salon did because Paul Mitchell didn't teach it. So, um, so as more and more people kept calling for ombre, like, all my stylists at the time were jumping on YouTube, like looking up how to do it really quick, right before their clients would get there. See, so I did that. Really, I literally you know, did that. I mean, I remember doing yeah, it with so my I, best friend. Yeah, like, it was hard. I mean, we asked Paul Mitchell for education and they just didn't teach anything like that. So we were essentially on our own. And um, so um, the more and more people that kept calling for it, um, the more like, I mean, my chair was just swamped. I was just doing a ton of, um, you know, re retouches every four and five weeks and tons of foils. And so that was really my whole clientele. Um, one of the stylists that worked for me at the time, like we butted heads big time. She was very, very young. And um, she came to me one day and she just said, you know, oh, one of my client's moms wants to come see you um, because you're good with older hair. And I was like, uh, I mean, at the time I was 43, I'm 48 now. And I was like, so that's where I'm at already. Okay. So 43 years old and I'm, I'm an old lady hairdresser. Fantastic. <laughs> so I, that didn't sit well with me. It was like, you know, a really big, I took it as an insult and that sort of kind of started me on this, like, okay, well, what do I do with myself now? And I just remember coming into the salon one day and I thought, oh my God, I am miserable. Like, I don't know what else to do with myself. I can't do this for another 10 years. Like, I'm so bored. My work was pathetic at best. Um, I just, my heart wasn't in it anymore. I'd been doing hair for like 25 years, I think at that point, 24, 25 years. And I was just literally like, okay, what else do I do? I have no other skills. So it was either, you know, change um, 
or quit. And I couldn't quit because it's just not me. But I was like, okay, something has to give. So um, I started wanting to learn about this crazy thing, ombre balayage that I kept hearing about. So I jumped online and on YouTube and I found Guy Tang and I loved the way he did it, the nice. um, surface painting. Mm-hmm. So I was just like seeing him do it but I was like, I think I can do this. And so I just kind of like lit something in me. And I was just obsessed at that point of trying to learn it. So, um, because now I'm classified as an old lady hairdresser, I was like, well, how can I get new clients to come see me? So that same girl that had said that to me, that same stylist, she had just moved back up from down South and built her whole clientele in six months using Instagram. And so I, I'm not super savvy with social media. And at the time I only did Facebook, but I only used it for personal stuff. I'd never even thought about using social media for the point of building a platform. Gotcha. So I jumped on Instagram and, um, so she was nice enough to try to give me some pointers. (laughs) I just destroyed (laughs) she was like well you want to have like a hashtag that like you can make yours and so I like didn't understand what that meant because I didn't even know what hashtags were and I remember like making up something so stupid and I don't even know why I did it. I put it on like probably I don't know like seven or eight posts and then I stopped but it was like literally hashtag Amy Bag of Donuts like I don't know why <laughs> I don't know why I came up with that but I did that was actually the hashtag and um yeah so I'm totally gonna look that up that's amazing if it's on there I'll die laughing but yeah I told because I did not understand like you can't just make stuff up like I didn't understand branding I didn't even know what hashtags did um I spelled all my hashtags wrong so like I did everything that you could do wrong but I was just really driven to figure it out so anyway I had gone to Paul Mitchell again to find out about balayage education they just, they, it wasn't something they, they taught. So I was really struggling. So when I really found Instagram and started following balayage artists that I would see get featured, every balayage artist I saw get featured, I would run to their page and start following them. And I tried to soak up, I was on my phone, not that a whole lot's different, but I was on my phone probably like 14 hours a day, just trying to learn everything I could. And some things made sense and some things didn't. So it was a long process of trial and error and burning hair off and turning roots, you know, screaming strawberry blonde, um, you know, doing things like, it was like, I forgot how to do hair. Like I just forgot what formulating was like. I didn't know anything about root shadows because Paul Mitchell didn't teach it. Like, I feel like when you segregate yourself so much with education, if the brand, doesn't do things like that are more commercial and fashion forward, which Paul Mitchell is not known for, they're sort of like, everything's kind of avant-garde with their education. Right. And um, so it really hurt me. I didn't know any of those things that probably everybody else took for granted. So I really (laughs) struggled for that first year trying to figure it all out. But I was just so determined. Like I left crying every day. My staff was so annoyed with me because they were like, oh, here's Amy again, crying again. Like, what's the problem? But I'm not used to sucking at things. So to just fail and fail and fail. But I just wanted to be successful at it. And um, go forward. Yeah, I, I. saw the BTC one shot competition that year in 2016, when they were announcing the, um, the nominations. And I just remember watching them like, wow, look at all that hair. Like, I didn't even understand Pinterest. I just, how do people's work get there? You know, like everything was such a, this huge awakening. And I was just like in this world of confusion. 
And um, so I remember looking at the BTC one shots and seeing so many beautiful, um, beautiful heads that were chosen. And I thought, oh, I wonder if I could get my work good enough to like hang with these people. And like, that was it for me. Like that was the goal. And um, so after, you know, just horrific, <laughs> horrific uh, results, I started finally piecing things together. And, and I did get chosen that following year when I entered my work. So it was, uh, it was a really surreal moment because I didn't even feel like I was good enough, but yet I still got chosen. So I know it was definitely crazy. It was a long journey. I want you guys that are listening right now to really think about what she just said. And if you were going through the drive-thru, getting your Starbucks, whatever, hit the back button and listen to it again, because she just gave you the entire roadmap for what she did. People think it's one thing. They think, you know what I mean? It's like this, you just showed us the bottom of the iceberg and you pulled back the curtain and it's hard work and not giving up pretty much. Right. I mean, yeah, I mean, it really is like I was, you know, I had a full clientele, um, working 50 hours a week. So where am I going to find time to fit balayages in? My clients were insane and we're booking, you know, four and five appointments out. So how do you then transfer into new businesses? So I was working like 70 hours a week. I was coming in on Sundays, anything I could do to practice, get my hands in it. You know, I was calling for models constantly. Um, and then when my Instagram started working and people were messaging for me, for uh, me for balayage. And I was like, Oh crap. <laughs> what do I, I have do? The bag of donuts balayage. <laughs> <laughs> so this so, is too, like when you are getting on Instagram, this is like around 2016, right? Yeah. This was like the golden age to get on Instagram too. It was just like such an amazing time. I was on there. I did not do what you did and invest the time to like really learn it. I just use my like one little hashtag and I was booked out <laughs> and I just, I was like, this is just my portfolio. I'll just put my stuff there. So well, check. It's but it- interesting. I think when you're really OCD and I am, um, especially about something that I'm passionate about, I just throw my whole self in. But when I, when I started using my Instagram in 2016 to start building my page exclusively, like I deleted everything personal off of it. And I was like, that's it. I'm, I'm going to just, you know, I'm going to use my Instagram. And I still didn't know what I was doing. And my Instagram at that time was my name. Um, okay. And after a few months, I started getting noticed, which was crazy because I, I didn't know that was the thing. Um, and I remember Beauty Launchpad was my very first um, feature. And so I have a twin sister and she was doing nails at my salon at the time. And I walked over to her. And I threw my phone at her, like, you know, kind of tossed it. And I was like, well, look at this. Like, you know, my, <laughs> my pictures were getting like 20 likes. So it wasn't hard to find that I got features. <laughs> so, and so she's looking at it and she's like, what is that? I'm like, I'm not really sure, but I think they use my picture. <laughs> and so the stylist that had, you know, kind of made that comment originally, I went to show her because I was so excited and she totally took it away from me. She was like, well, like, what's that? And I'm like, what's well, a magazine? She's like, yeah, but like, like, what is it? <laughs> and I was like, Do you well, know what beauty launch pad was? 
she didn't know who got because she's a palmetto girl so she's not and i was like the magazines are right over there on the like in the waiting area i'm like what do you Dude, mean I she's like yeah but who they are they affiliated with oh my god and after like five minutes of just not being happy for me Ew. and trying to figure out i was like okay and so that's kind of how that whole thing went with my entire staff is they they were just so over me as their owner because I was such a, a, a miserable salon owner. I just didn't know what I was doing. And um, and so I, I had thought that when I started, well, I shouldn't say that right away, but as things started progressing and my account took off, I thought that I could sort of win their respect back because I was doing so good, you know, but they just were like, <laughs> we don't <Dallas>. care. <laughs> You know, how can you not know to say that? And like, even if she didn't know who they were, like the only response to that is that's amazing. Congratulations. No, no, no <laughs> never got a congratulations from anybody. Not once, not, no, no matter what I achieved, not one thing. This is another thing for people listening. I want you guys to remember this. Not everybody is going to be happy for the glow up. Not everybody's going to be there for it. Not everybody's going to be super supportive of your success. And for most people that start to get the success, part of the reason you get there is you don't think like that. So it hurts a little bit more when people aren't supportive, because I'm sure you were incredibly supportive of them. And it's just, it's, I'm glad that you mentioned that because I, it's, I don't hear people talk about that side of it a lot and it's a very real thing. And I don't want it to stop anybody from, <clears throat> or the frog in my throat from enjoying, <laughs> like, that's a joyful moment when you get that kind of recognition, you know, and you deserve yeah, it. Was to for me. I mean, I was celebrating like crazy because I couldn't believe anybody would pay any attention to me. I mean, here I was this, you know, middle-aged nobody from, you know, shitburg USA. And it was like, who cares, you know, but I couldn't believe anybody thought my work was anything. So anytime I got, you know, featured on something, it was just like, I mean, tears, you know, the whole thing. And, um, and to know that the six stylists that were working for me at the time, literally not one of them <laughs> could be proud of me, you know, that stung a lot. So I just started keeping things to myself because I wasn't, I wasn't getting anywhere with winning their respect back at all. So, but, but you know, you just outgrow people, I guess, or they outgrew me or I don't know which way it was, but I wasn't a good salon owner for them. I tried hard, but I don't know what I was doing. So I feel like when, the, when the tide, when I tried to turn the tide to like take control back of the business, I think it was just too late. And those were, they were employees at the time or was that booth rental? That was, they, they all started off as employees. <clears throat> and then I failed so miserably um, that I eventually had to put them as renters and they weren't happy about it, but I had set myself up for failure right from the get go, trying to be equal with them instead of being their boss. Like I'd always been a booth renter, so I didn't know how to set up salon culture, payroll. I didn't know how to do any of that stuff. Um, I just know that I'm a hard worker and I always have been. So anytime you know, anything needed to be done. I'm like, well, I can do it. You know, I'm a hard worker, but not everybody has that work ethic. And I didn't know how to get that out of them. So they were all really young, you know, 18, 19 years old. And all they really wanted to do was just go party and drink and they'd show up drunk. And <laughs> so, uh. you know, it was, uh, it was a lot for me because I, I was never that person, even when I was their age. My daughter told me the other day, my daughter's in hair school right now. And she told me that 
her class got a talking to because a bunch of the kids kept showing up high. Yep. Come on guys. Yep. That's that age, you know, it's tough. So when you're there, when you're the age of their mom, they see you as like that wicked stepmother kind of thing. And that's kind of where, but again, I just wasn't a good leader, you know, and I'm not sure I'd still be a good leader today with everything I've learned. I just don't think that was supposed to be my path. You're a good leader for the people that already want to learn that get it. Like that's. Yeah. I don't think I'm motivating to, to somebody that has no drive. I don't think that I'm a motivator. And I mean, I don't know who really is like, I I'm the same way. I'm like, that's not, I don't have that level of patience. For, I know I don't. Yeah. Like if you're, if you like, I know people are very lately, like anti hustle culture, everything. I'm like, when I started my career, I had two little girls to feed. So yeah. there was no anti hustle culture. I worked my butt off to make it happen. And I didn't have patience. And I, arguably still don't for people that aren't ready to roll up their sleeves and work because just listening to everything you said, if you roll up your, it's a season, it doesn't have to be forever, but if you roll up your sleeves and work, that's, what's going to get you the results. Absolutely. And then you can maybe roll down your sleeves and sit down. But I mean, it's the, the dream, the people, the fantasy that people talk about where the lack of hustle anywhere. I just, it doesn't resonate with me. I, I don't know. Um, let me ask you, where is your salon? You're in Massachusetts, right? I am Fitchburg, Mass. Okay. And then what is like a typical week, I guess, like for you now, minus the past year, like what's the, what's the life of a, a famous Instagram influencer? Like? <laughs> well, <laughs> The rest of us want to know what it's like behind the curtain. Yeah. Um, I've cut back quite a bit in the salon to focus more on, on building my education platform. It's been something that I have found to be really scary and haven't mentally been able to like dive into because of of that fear of letting go of the income in the salon. Mm -hmm. Um, so I finally, I finally decided that I was going to do that. So this year started, um, so I'm down to three days a week in the salon. Um, I come in on Mondays, uh, to try to film for my education. And then Fridays I spend trying to edit videos poorly. <laughs> so so I'm on three days a week right now, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. When you film, tell me a little bit, because I know people want to know, because I get so many people that want to do it. What does yeah. it look like? Do you have a cameraman there? Do you have an iPhone nope. on a tripod? Like how yep. does it? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So I found, um, I found a tripod with a gooseneck and yes. so I can put it up nice and high and then aim it straight down. So when I zoom in, you're getting the vision of what I see. Okay. And that's how I try to, um, when I'm actually doing my filming. And then, so I try to get, you know, start to finish. Um, and the hard part is, is that because of the platform I chose to use, um, I have to make them into 15 minutes because IGTV doesn't let you go longer than that. So, um, typically if I'm doing it, then I have to spend quite a bit of time editing it and speeding the video up and, cutting parts off that don't really matter to not waste time. Um, but it seems to be well-received because I feel like you can get a really good gist of everything. And if I feel like it's something complicated, then I'll do it in two 15 minute segments. 
Um, right. But so far, my my followers on that page really like it. Um, I do the voiceovers after, so that way I can get you to focus on the things that are important and pick out key things that I feel like you need to know about the process of what I just did. Yes. Um, yeah. So that's a little time consuming because I have dogs. <laughs> so whenever I say something important, <laughs> they always start barking. <laughs> <laughs> like there's. So, because I can tell you right now that people have kind of like, they don't understand what's really going on behind the scenes. And they think it has to be this complicated thing where you have like a film crew there, or even just another person that's like filming for you. And that is not what it has to be at all. So it doesn't have to be that way. Um, like I know people that will sell their online videos, um, and for, for that type of thing, I do think hiring somebody that can make it look more professional, but I mean, my university is, is 1999 a month. I feel like the education that you're getting for that is, you know, equivalent, um, if not more than somebody's buying one video for $150. So, but that being said, I feel okay, keeping it low key and doing it my style versus you know, spending $4,000 to make a video, which is what generally I feel like it kind yep. of costs, you yeah. know, the initial investment. So, so I feel like if you're going to really start a series of DVDs or do they even do DVDs? Is that a thing? I don't even know how people buy anything anymore. Um, Amy, we're dating ourselves. <laughs> I know I just did. I just heard myself. I was like, I don't think DVDs are a thing. <laughs> downloads, downloads is where it's at. So, <laughs> I'm there. laughing, um, but no, no, I know what you're saying. Like if you're going to do something where you're going to like, you're going to create like a high ticket thing and sell it. There's it's, I think it's twofold. There's value in, I have a friend of mine that did that. She had a crew come and do it. And I think it's exactly what you said. It was right about $4,000 and they come and they record everything, but then they also edit it too. Yep. So it takes, if, you know, if you know what your time is worth, then maybe you have somebody do that instead of spending like a week editing, editing it. But like, to me, the way that you're doing it is so awesome because you're taking all of that out and you're just getting good information that people need to help them get a result. Well, it, you know, it works for me. I had looked into doing a website. Um, I'm just miserable with technology. I couldn't find anybody. I tried like how for about a year and a half to try to find somebody to build a website for me. Um, everybody that I got referred to said, oh, geez, I'm sorry. We don't do that type of thing, which I get. I specialize on stuff too. So I understood it. Um, and after a while, I kept thinking, I didn't feel like it was my calling. So I kept thinking, take it as a signing. Like I didn't, you know, when I was first into balayage, like you couldn't, you couldn't have turned me away no matter how hard you tried. But I didn't mm -hmm. feel that same pull with a website. I felt like I was supposed to do it because that's what everybody else was doing. Um, but I'm so I'm such a low key person, um, and everything about me is not fancy. So um, I feel like for me to try to build a website and, and pretend to be something that it was polished, and, uh, you know what I mean? No, like, I know exactly what you mean. Not me. Like I, you know, I swear all day long. I try not to. Now I'm trying to not cuss as much, but I'm, you know, I'm that person. And I, I feel like a lot of people can relate to me, but I didn't, I felt like if I went the route of the website with selling videos, that it was forced and it didn't feel, it didn't feel right to me. So I feel like the way that I'm doing it now, 
it feels because now it's not me standing in front of a camera. It's, you know, me just working and showing you what I want you to learn. And that's really for me what the focus is. Is I, I love teaching. And so I don't want to be standing in front of a camera and pretending I'm pretty. Like that's not what it's about. I love so, that. Yeah. I think that's and so people, I'm sure people are listening to this. And if they didn't know you had the education, where can they go to get it? Just to your Instagram account, link in bio. Um, yep. Yeah, so there's a link in my bio. So the page it's an Instagram page. It's set to private. So you can't get in if you don't sign up and it's a subscription. Okay. Um, it's a three month minimum. And um, if, once you click the link in my bio, it'll take you to my link tree and you can sign up through square. Um, and then you just have to submit a follow request to the page, which is named camouflage university. Nice. Perfect. Yeah. That is so easy too. And the other thing that I like about that is it's already on the platform. People are already on the platform. There's nothing to sign into. Well, yeah, I, I was interested there. initially in doing Patreon mm-hmm. back a couple of years ago when I had first started thinking about all this and, you know, maybe I missed the window. I don't know, but I was talking to a, a fellow Schwarzkopf um, educator that I was doing a show with, and he was saying how well he was doing with his Patreon, but I get overwhelmed with um, social stuff. So I know Instagram, it works for me. So when I found out recently that you could do it on Instagram and I was like, oh, perfect. I'm like, yeah, this is idiot proof for me. I can do this, you know? So so that's why it kind of took me so long. I'm just so resistant to learning stuff like that. Like I'm not, I guess I really wasn't interested in Patreon. Like, I don't know. It just wasn't, it didn't feel right. You've clearly demonstrated if you're interested in something enough, you will climb a mountain to make sure that you know about it. And right, like, I love everything you just said, because you're literally doing what works for you to help other people. And it's just everything about it is just completely authentic to how you want to do it. And when you are in your own lane like that, I really think that's where the magic happens. And for some people, it might be to make a class on Kajabi or to do it on Patreon or however you want to do it. If that's what feels right, you're going to be fine. I mean- because it's, it doesn't seem like a chore. You don't feel off when you're. Yeah. I think staying authentic to you is really what's important. And that will help cue in people that, you know, you're going to draw to you because of who you are. Like when you're on social media, you know, people are drawn to you for different reasons and sort of trying to find your tribe, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like can be tricky because if you just keep posting pretty pictures, nobody really gets a vibe for you. And so I go through these phases where I share a lot and I think, who's even going to read this? But I just feel the urge <laughs> to, to share on that day. And I think, well, somebody needs to read what I just wrote. Somebody needs to, you know? And so it's interesting to see how much my thoughts resonate with other people. Um, and then I go through phases where I don't really have a lot to say. And, and then it's about pretty pictures, but I think it's so important to share a little bit about who you are. And like, I keep my personal stuff off of my Instagram So when I share stuff about me personally, it's about me personally with work, you know? So I'm, I don't share the stuff like, you know, um, you know, all me and my husband got into a fight. Like, I just don't, you know, I don't share that kind of stuff. I know a lot of people do, but this is my professional page. And so when I share stuff, it's, you know, I I've shared the story of how, um, my salon failed and what my part in that was. And a lot of people really enjoyed reading that because I think people 
I think people think that you're untouchable and it's like, no, you don't get anywhere in life unless you failed a thousand times first. Like you just don't. Yes. Yeah. Like, I mean, you've said fail so many times in this episode where we're talking about your amazing success. And there's, there's really something so profound in that. And it just, I'm like you, I love just how completely open you are about it because this is the kind of stuff that people really need to hear to see what that journey looks like, because that fear of failure can be so paralyzing and you have to almost embrace that it's inevitable. And right. I mean, it was that, do you think that's a fair statement? Yeah. I think, I I think you just can't let it lick you, you know, like when you fail, it's important to process the emotions. I mean, when I tell you I left daily crying, I did, you know, that's not an exaggeration and I'm sure it was annoying to everybody around me, but I'm a very sensitive person. And when I want to succeed at something, I'm not used to sucking at stuff. So, you know, when I'm failing and failing and failing and I can't figure it out, you know, it's important to process the emotions and then brush it off and start over the next day, you know, and that's what I did. I came back every day and started over like yesterday didn't happen. What can I take from it? So I don't do that again. And, um, it was definitely, I mean, I still have, you know, times now where something didn't go right. And I'm like, son of a gun. Okay. All right. Now what can we do to make that not happen again? You know, so (laughs) not, no, there's no such thing as perfection. And I feel like the people that pretend that, you reach a pinnacle in your career where you'll never make a mistake again, they're lying to you or they're never doing anything out of their comfort zone. I mean, I can put retouches on all day long and never fail. Well, how much fun is that? That's not fun. You know? So if you're, if you're not going to ever push yourself to be better, then maybe you won't fail. But if you ever want to be better, you will fail so much. It will, it will hurt your soul. But when you finally succeed, then you'll start blossoming again and you'll sort of feel yourself come out of that cocoon. I feel like, like what we do is so much like exercise. Like when you're fat and out of shape, which is what I am now, like lifting 50 pounds, you can't do it. But the more you keep practicing at it, the stronger those muscles start getting from the repetition of it, that eventually 50 pounds is nothing. And that's the same thing with what we do. If you want to be able to cut a clean bob, you have to cut a thousand clean bobs before you actually get a clean bob, you know, like it just doesn't, very few people just wake up and they're just gifted. Like, I just feel like maybe that's Satan. I don't know, but I don't know anybody that just started off being amazing. No, no. And like you said, there's a almost, I remember when I first started, I was, I started with, I, I did curly hair. That was where I just like went all in because I just saw the need for it. I'm like, this will help me make the money that I need to quickly. So I was doing these curly haircuts and I loved it because I got the the demand was so high. I got really busy, really quick. And I was doing, I went from like being not booked at all to having like 10 people a day, same haircut. They all got the same basic haircut. (laughs) So I got this kind of like crash. I feel that already. (laughs) And it was like, but in a way it was really good. Like I was there. I loved what I did. I absolutely loved everything about it. But at the end of the day, I needed to provide for my kids and I needed to make money to live. Like that's really what it was about at that. I was totally in survival mode and, but building up 
I don't know if this is like the right way to say it, but I always call it like a muscle memory almost. Like once you do it so many times, then you can kind of next level it because the basic is you can just not really do it with your eyes closed, but you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it, your skill set just grows and grows and grows because you don't have to think about what you're doing as much. And then you can think about the next part of it, how to make it better, how to improve these right. little kind of tweaks. And you won't get there unless you do the thousand first things and fail at some of them. You got to have yeah. that kind of experience under your belt. And yeah, I don't want sure. to think that's a reason, like if you're listening to this and you're newer, don't, I mean, you're not going to find a successful stylist in this industry that doesn't have a similar story about all the times that they tried and failed. And if you do, they're not telling you the whole story. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I mean, it's just not a thing. No, it's not. Um, we've been talking for a while. I did not meet. I remember when I messaged, I was like, let's just do like 20 minutes. Um, I know your time is valuable. I just want to ask you one more question and then I'll let you go. I, this is something people ask me a lot. What does it look like to work with big brands? Like what, what is just, can you give us kind of like a picture of like how that goes and what it looked like for you? Uh, sure. So, um, I thought working with a big brand was, was definitely something that it's not <laughs> like, that was a huge goal for me too. When I started noticing people would, you know, get these contracts and I was like, Oh my God, how amazing that'd be. So I got my first contract through BTC. Um, when BTC started their BTC team, um, three or four years ago now, and they paired me up with Schwarzkopf and, um, so it went really well. I was terrified because I had always worked with Paul Mitchell before that it was Redkin and before that it was Joyco and Matrix. So always American companies. And so switching into a German company was terrifying. I didn't know the number system. And I just remember saying to them, like, what if I don't like it? Like, you know, like, am I going to get in trouble? Are you going to sue me? Like, I, you know, cause I can't, I can't represent somebody and not be authentic. You so, went in not even knowing the number system was, I had no yeah, idea. It, oh, yeah, wow. it was terrifying. <laughs> so, so yeah, I had, I had literally learned the line as I went. And, um, and so for those people that don't think much of it, you know, if you're, if you're familiar with European number systems, you don't realize how intimidating it is to work with American color only for 26 years. And then boom, now you're working with European color. I mean, the die loads are different. The number systems are different. Everything about it is different. Um, but I've always top, been the person man. that when something freaks me out or makes me afraid, I'm like, I'm doing it. I will figure it out, you know? So I'm not one to back down for a challenge. So um, Schwarzkopf sent me, so I got hired for their relaunch for Vibrance. And it was an amazing experience. They flew us out to LA and we had to do this whole big thing and they made you feel like a celebrity. And I just remember thinking like, am I lost right now? Like did they, did they pick me by accident? Because I just felt like I was in a room filled with all these rock stars and I was just stupid me. Um, and by the end of the three years, I had a really great foundation with Schwarzkopf. They were essentially an insane company to work with. The education they provide was awesome, but I didn't work with them 
as an educator, I work with them um, as an influencer and they're very different. So I feel like if you don't have money for education, um, cause I, early on in my career, very early on in my career, I was an educator with Joyco and I didn't have money, but I, I knew I wanted to learn. So I thought the best thing to do would be to be an educator with a company because they have to train you and boom, you're going to get all this education. It's going to be fantastic. Um, so there's a big difference between being an educator and being an influencer. And so being an educator, you literally represent the company legally. So you have to do everything their way, which is great because they're going to teach you exactly what you need to know. Um, but it can also pigeonhole you later when you feel like you've outgrown them because you don't have that creative freedom because they won't give that to you. So I sort of got the best of both worlds as an influencer because I wanted to make sure that I had creative freedom because I mix a lot of stuff together that legally they won't let you do as an educator. Gotcha. And I told them that that was, you know, that's me authentic behind the chair. And Schwarzkopf was amazing because they said, Amy, we've been following your page for quite a while now and we absolutely love your authenticity and we don't want you to lose that. That's why your followers follow you. So, you know, we're gonna have to say things like if you're on stage and you say this, this, or this, but we have to say that, but we're not telling you, you can't say it. So, but we have to interject and say, you know, just for legal reasons. And I said, no, nope, I, I understand. So, so for me at that stage of my career, I mean, I'm 30 years into the industry now. I wanted to have that creative freedom, but I feel like as a new stylist, working for a brand is amazing education. And if you get the chance to do it, you know, it's, it's extremely demanding. Um, but the, the outcome of it will elevate you in ways that you didn't even know that you could get to. So I do feel like it's a great opportunity if you get the chance to do it. Um, and but you're just getting training on how to system. train. Oh, sorry. Say that. Yeah. Again. You're yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. There's like I a weird excited. delay. There's like a <laughs> yeah. weird delay. And I'm like best podcast interviewer ever. Um, <laughs> you're getting trained on how to train. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's absolute value in that. Yeah. It's a gift. This is unrelated somewhat to what you said, but I wrote it down because it, what you said was very interesting. And I remember when I switched, I went from, I went to a tea spa, which is like a Redken. It's like Paul Mitchell school, but Redken. And I worked at a Redken salon and I was, you know, born and raised on Redken. And then I switched for a very short time to Wella and then ultimately spent most of my career with Schwarzkopf. And I remember Wella was my first introduction into, into the number system. And yeah. then when I switched to Schwarzkopf, their number system is backwards. So, so like, different. <laughs> I'm like, okay, so seven in Wella is definitely not dash seven, seven in Schwarzkopf. Like those are going to be two complete, like it was, oh, yeah. but something you said, I just wanted you to touch on really quick for anybody that has not worked with Schwarzkopf. I love them, love them. And I, they really covered gray very well. And they, I just have a lot of good things to say, but you said the die load is different and man, is it ever, can you just expand on that just a little bit for anybody that doesn't know what that means? Yeah, absolutely. So with American color, um, you know, the, the aesthetic in America is everything is very reflective and translucent. So it's harder to get great coverage. Everything is generally a warmer base. So a lot of American colors fight uh, warm tones more if they don't really understand formulation. And European color um, 
the dialogues are so intense. It's so easy to get too dark. Um, a lot of them are progressive dyes, meaning that the longer you leave it on, the darker it will get. So even though you mix a level four, it only has the potential to stay a level four, but it will visually look like a level two when it's done if you've left it on for an hour and it was only supposed to be on there for a half an hour. So but the dialogues are very intense. Um, and so it makes it tricky to do some of the um, dimensional work that we do with what I specialize in now. So I've sort of geared more towards doing um, demi-permanence instead to make sure that my level six stays a level six when I've had to leave it on for an hour. Um, but there's also, I feel like I feel like the European companies now are sort of trying to shift a little bit by offering different um, lines. So for instance, um, Wella came out with their Illumina and Schwarzkopf came out with TBH. And Paul Mitchell came out with ColorXG to compete in the European market. So I feel like they're trying to meet everyone's needs. And it's really important as a colorist to understand the line that you're working with and what its potential is and what its limitations are. So now that I have Illumina and when I was with Schwarzkopf, I was using the TBH a lot. It allowed me to do a lot more dimensional work using them because they're such great multi-purpose tools. You have both of those are permanent colors that can be turned into a demi and a glaze. I mean, talk about an, an insane tool. And with so much of the industry being um, suite owners now, yes. you don't have a lot of storage space. So having a, a line that can really meet the a bulk of your needs that isn't, you know, 150 colors, but you can absolutely do everything with it, um, I think is really essential. And I feel like these brands are starting to wake up a little bit because I, I remember reading last year, I think it was like 56% of the industry, and it's probably shifted now, but 56% of the industry in the United States was a suite owner or independent contractor. Yes. Yep. So yeah. So, okay. So what does that mean now? Well, that means that people don't have, you know, a 2000 square foot place with a huge back room for all their color. Like they have this little tiny space that's maybe three or 400 square feet. So how are you going to put an entire line like Wella or Schwarzkopf, which is extensive into your salon? Like you can't. So I feel like some of these brands are really waking up. Illumina is so great. TBH is so great. Um, you know, so I, I do feel like learning the dialogues, learning what works for you, whatever you specialize in, if you're doing really, you know, rich, intense tones and not doing what I'm doing, you know, maybe staying more with, um, you know, Wella Colestin or Schwarzkopf's, um, oh my gosh, Igora, like maybe that's a better fit for you. So mm -hmm. you have to really know what you're specializing in and then kind of gear around that. So I did a lot of gray coverage and the Agora absolutes were um, so amazing. Yeah. I mean, so amazing. But I remember telling a lot of my friends, listen, guys, you guys have to try this. It's so good. It's so good. But remember like a level six in Schwarzkopf is going to be like a level four in red. <laughs> but I didn't even understand. Yeah. It's very different. They're not, they're not equal levels at all. Um, so, you know, I used to, whenever I would switch a client from, um, Paul Mitchell, cause I, I used to use the color. I hated color XG. I could not, I just didn't like it. it. The tones were different. I loved the color. And I know a lot of people don't agree with me on that one, but I did really well with the color. 
Um, I liked the translucency of it. And um, I think judging by my page, you can tell I really like translucency. <laughs> so yeah. I don't like that muddy feel. And I felt like Color XG really came out muddy for me. Um, so just sort of switching everybody into, um, um, you know, finding the right tone, the right um, consistency for what I wanted was really great but I had to switch their levels. So if they were a level five in the color, they were definitely a level six, six and a half. You're switching them into Schwarzkopf. Yeah. It was usually a full, to, a full level to two levels in some cases. I learned, I, I had a little bit of a hard learn there, but in the long run, I'm happy. I liked, I really yeah. liked it. Well, um, I learned a long time ago, formulate lighter than what you think you want because getting a dark band out is a bitch. So if you think you wanted somebody out of five, formulate them at a six, just to be, because you can always go back over it next time and then blend that out. But once you go too dark, you just created a nightmare for yourself. So I always formulated with caution. <laughs> Words of wisdom. Amy, yeah. thank you so, so much. I'm glad you finally said yes. After all the other times I asked you. <laughs> <laughs> I asked her like I, I said asked, yes every time <laughs> I asked her to be on the podcast I, I don't know at least four times and she would always say yes and then it's just so crazy here to schedule stuff and then yeah. I would forget about it and then the last time I asked her, she goes I've said yes every time I'm like okay I'm real I'm gonna make it happen <laughs> Um, you're so amazing. Again, I know you've got so much going on and your time is really valuable. So I appreciate it so much. And people can find you at camouflage and balayage on Instagram and the camouflage university they can get to from your regular page. And then they can sign up for that from the link in your bio. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Amy McManus, thank you so, so much. Thank you so much for having me. I hope the rest of your day goes great. You too.